That doesn't make any sense. Why would I be wearing something when I was naked? That's okay. It's That's why it's funny. It's a complete non sequitur. Yeah. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Dig that crazy chick. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA most of the time. And today we honor more TV commercials from the 80s that have become true earworms. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Steve, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported by Patreon. It's just like being supported by TV commercials in the 80s, except we have no jingle. Just my voice. And I'll just keep talking and talking and talking until you give us the PIN number for your ATM card or you sign up at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. You are very sleepy. Yo, friends, check this out. Hey gang, it's time to talk about commercials again. We did this back in March for episode 594, back when we were just youngins. Back in the 500s, <laughs> prehistory for the podcast. The, the idea was, I think I was in New York at the time, and we were looking for shows that we could do that didn't require a lot of research. One of the things that I had become addicted to while I was up there was listening to jingles from the 80s. And I started wondering, oh, I, I'm kind of curious what the story is behind this one and what the story is behind that one. And so... What marketing genius came up with that? Yeah. I mean, you you know the songs, but do you know the stories? So we did uh, Be a Pepper, uh, Big Red Chewing Gum, which has that classic story of Brad leaving chewing gum in his pants and washing them at his sister's oh, house. It's amazing. Toys R Us, which... that I'm sorry. That's, not, that's more than an earworm. That's more of a ear tumor it's uh, not a tumor kid cat bars and, and a folgers you know folgers in your cup Ugh. boy that sounded awful i missed my calling thus ended epic trash's amazing comeback uh, you know when i was in the band epic trash in the in the 80s late 80s i i did sing a couple lines but i think it was um it was literally the I same line shock, baby. it was um I think it was to a Camper Van Beethoven song, and I, I had two lines that I had to sing, and that was it. That was the extent of my entire vocal offerings. I'm just uh, excited to hear that you were covering Camper Van Beethoven. It was uh, The song was Take the Skinheads Bowling. Some people say that Bowling Alley's got big lanes. Goes here that rhymes with anything. 
everyone likes bowling. You were in a league, heck. Uh, many years, actually. Long live the Gutter Dusters mm. and their legacy. Now that's a band name. You should have been in the Gutter Dusters. Yeah. What kind of what kind of music would we have played though? Uh, like Southern rock, I think. Yeah. See, I, I don't know if I could do that. Sweet home, <laughs> clear water. As soon as we finish the show, I'm driving uh, back to Clearwater for a family feast. So and, speaking uh, of driving, I'll just tease this little project I'm working on. After our uh, last episode, which like dropped yesterday, I think, the mixtape, road trip mixtape episode, I am working on my own road trip mix. And it won't be a tape because, you know, ain't nobody got time for that. No one has any way to listen to them. But uh, I will put that out, get that put together, and I'll share that around. That'd be fun. Yeah. I thought that was a good show. I, 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 I thought, I mean, we thought of some songs I hadn't thought about in a while. Yeah, and I will say I'm not using everything we had on that show, and I'm probably breaking at least two of my own rules. But you know what? They're my rules, and if I feel like breaking them, then who's going to get me into trouble? Do you know what rules yet that you're breaking? No. I might, oh, well, <laughs> I might have two songs by one artist, which I really don't like to do on a mixtape. feels very lazy. I mean, which, I know which in artist. The, which artist? In the which old, artist? I'm not telling you. In the olden <laughs> days, when you had a limited vinyl collection to make tapes from, then you know, it's a little more forgivable. But right now, with literally the entire recorded history of mankind's musical output available to you at your fingertips, there's really no excuse for using two songs off of one album. That's that's fair enough. Maybe you could get away with, you know, we will rock you and we are the champions because they're so married. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Well, they're drifters. That's all I can say. They're, they're hobos. <laughs> anyway, let's get started. Here's our first jingle from the 80s. This blood's for you For being on the job and working hard all day So here's to you You know there's no You knew we were going to have to have a beer commercial eventually. <sighs> yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> this Buds for You is one of those crazy earworms that it survived a long time. It, it, uh, it goes back to 1979, and it was created by, I think it was a St. Louis ad firm, which makes sense, you know, Shocking. Budweiser and all. Yeah. And uh, it was a minute long. And it featured a video of a lot of working men and women toiling in the field. and Because that was the time. Well, yeah, beer as a working class drink, absolutely. If you look at almost all the TV shows, the songs, the movies of the late 70s, you get this very blue collar, making ends meet kind of recurring theme. Yeah, that's the vibe for so, sure. So Budweiser came up with this, and this particular version, recorded by Leon Redbone, um, I, this was also done, known as the Snowman and Elf. I can't hear this commercial without thinking of the Snowman saying, yeah. "I've been to New York hundreds of times." 
for those not familiar with his work, Leon Redbone, a singer-songwriter uh, who made his name in the jazz and blues genre. He also, yes, did TV commercials and TV theme songs. He actually sings a theme song to Mr. Belvedere and Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, my gosh. There's a trivia question for you. Yeah. One that will get us killed. Well, you know, no one lives forever, Steve. Might as well go out on a high. <laughs> he also did the commercial jingles for Chevrolet and Kennel Ration Dog Food. So he's, All right. If, if you had that on your bingo card, well, congratulations. You just won $200. Yeah, see the see the cashier to collect that money. The thing is, this this campaign really worked. I mean, yes, yes, you, you remember the jingle, and that's great and all. But uh, Budweiser watched their sales double from 35 million to 86 million barrels from the the what? late 70s to the 80s. So holy crap. <laughs> Good for you, St. Louis. Good for you. Do you drink Budweiser any, at all? Uh very very rarely. Right. I'll 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 cop to drinking some some banquet, some Coors banquet and uh my kids tease me mercilessly about my abiding love for Coors Light as a lawnmower beer or a shower beer occasionally. They should mock you. It, it was designed for that. I understand that, but they are young and inexperienced. Well, let them mow some lawns. Yes. Let he who has not mowed lawns be the first to throw a Coors Light. Yeah, and, uh, joke's on me because I don't have a lawn anymore. What happened to your lawn? Uh, oh, this is a really exciting story, kids. During the last drought in California, we basically turned off the water and the grass died. That was fine. And so I had a brown backyard. Now, to be fair, my backyard is probably the size of four ping pong tables butted up against each other, right? Because I live in California. You know, I just thought it would be dead grass forever. And the next year, the first time it rained, which it does do occasionally, it all just disappeared. And I was left with this muddy pit in the back. So we ended up redoing the backyard. And now it's just, we have mainly hardscape back there. It's decomposed granite. And then um, raised planter beds, and we put a fountain in there, and it's it's actually it's really nice. But I don't have to mow it. Okay, I, I didn't know the show would go this direction this week, but there we go. Just, usually, I talk about this on my other show, landscaping in Southern California, native plants for you. Well, but uh, and and I live in a townhome, so I the the amount of grass that I'm in charge of is approximately the size of my desk. <laughs> so you could do that with a pair of scissors. Exactly. In seven minutes. Exactly. So if the dog doesn't kill it with his uh, morning business then i have to go out there with the tweezers and take care of it later Uh, (laughs) can someone come by and wax the lawn please when we started talking about this jingle i immediately remembered a movie quote from somewhere where some guy at a party says this bud's for you and it took me about 15 minutes to remember that it's from the scene in weird science where the guys on the motorcycles break into the house this bud's for you that's that still to me is one of the weirder John Hughes movies. I mean, no pun intended. Uh, just doesn't really fit. It is a an abstract anomaly. If you know that he wrote it in a weekend, then it kind of starts to fall into place a little bit more. He he wrote everything though that fast. I mean, it's, I mean, he wrote Breakfast Club and like <clears throat> during a bathroom trip or something. I mean, they're all they all came out really fast. I mean, okay, I take it back. It's but still but I'm just but it's just you know it is it is what it is. I mean, I wish I was. I, I wish that I could say that the. <laughs> The low point in my life was writing weird science. So Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to make a career in nerd wish fulfillment movies, you could do a lot worse than right. weird science. And, and I know Oingo Boingo, who performs the theme song to Weird Science, a song, by the way, that Danny Elfman hates because it, it was rushed through you know, the mm, last second. Like the script. 
They also perform a version of uh, this Buds For You commercial, and it sounds like this. This Buds For You. That's a little peppy. Oh, that's that's fantastic. How on earth did that all come together? I, I want to be in the pitch meeting for that. Yeah. Hey, guys, you want to do a beer commercial? Oh, okay. <laughs> See, you know, the, the weird thing about Bud Budweiser, I, I, you can keep the wardrobe. I guess I drank a lot of it maybe in the 80s or something like that. I, I, I remember going to Key West the first time, like mm-hmm. either in the late 80s or early 90s. But I remember every bar we went into in Key West, you would say, what kind of beers do you have? And they're like, oh, we have both kinds, Bud and Bud Light. Oh, super fancy. Anyway, our next jingle was actually suggested by uh, Uber listener Marissa in Kankakee, Illinois. Uh, you guys remember this one? Don't give me that so, so, soda, that same old cola. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna pop. I wanna chest, I wanna taste possess all the great taste. Shout out to OG listener Marissa. Yeah, that's a great one. Th- this is one that when I saw it in the notes, I'm like, hmm, do I remember that? And then I click on the link and, oh, of course I remember that. I do want a pop and I do want a Shasta. Shasta started out as the Shasta Mineral Springs Company at the base of beautiful Mount Shasta, California, way up north in 1889. But in 1928, they decided that was too many words and changed the name to the Shasta Water Company. They made mineral water, well, produced, I don't think they made water, who am I kidding? They produced mineral water from Shasta Springs. It was put into glass-lined railroad cars and then bottled locally, (laughs) which seems like manic right now, right? Like That just seems so crazy. Weren't they the first company that kind of introduced canned soda? Yeah, that was one of their their big new marketing strategies in the 50s was we're going to can our drinks. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. God, like, do you even remember a time when, when you bought soda in bottles? Sure. Um, I remember getting, yeah, like Orange Crush out of a machine, out of a, a pop machine that was in a bottle and you'd put the quarter in and it would release the thing. You could pull them out. You, you, that? you better stop with the whole pop nonsense right now. That doesn't, that doesn't fly down south. It's in the commercial. I want a pop. I want a Shasta. I, I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just. That'll trying get to stay you beat up. Here. <laughs> well, come up here then, big boy. You're so tough. It's come such a. It's such a, I'm walking here. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. The whole pop soda uh, stuff is such Coke. a. Yeah, because in in the South everything's a Coke. Yeah, in in Oklahoma, I think I've said this. You know, this is a completely logical sentence. Do you want a Coke? Yes. What kind? A Dr Pepper. Okay. <laughs> Out west, though, isn't Pepsi the more dominant brand? Mm, not in my house. Okay. I mean, I know whenever you're in Vegas, it, it's like when you go around, that's all they sell is Pepsi. Yeah. Well, who Very can upsetting. say? It's, <laughs> that's <laughs> troubling. So let's talk some more about Shasta. Uh, when I was a kid, mom did not truck with us drinking a lot of soda, so we never really had it in the house. 
but we had neighbors. We, a lot of people, I think, that maybe don't have their grandparents close by have some kind of proxy grandparents, if you will. And we had an older couple living next to us, the Fosters, lovely people. And they always had Shasta in their refrigerator. And it was this, to me as a little kid, I'm like, this is amazing. There are all these flavors and I get to pick one. Like, oh, chocolate soda. That sounds interesting. Narrator voice. It is disgusting. Uh, but also, you know, your traditional lemon lime and vanilla and cola. And it's like, well, this isn't a Coke, but it's soda and I get to drink it and this is pretty great. So I have a lot of fond memories of Shasta. I think I read at one point that they currently have 34 different flavors. 34. Yeah. Well, isn't that kind of their thing is, you know, something for everybody? I guess. I mean, that just seems like overkill. I don't know. I know one time I tried their apple. I love apple juice more than life itself. And so apple soda to me is like proof that there is a God. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. I I remember reading something about they had a bubblegum soda. They had uh, hibiscus. They even had a non-alcoholic sangria soda. Huh. That's uh, that could be choice, Chasta. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, just put a little vodka in there. It'll be yeah. just like the real thing. Oh my god! Anyway, the uh, the slogan jingle we think was written by Al Jorgensen, the front man of ministry. Um, what? It's sort of one of these urban legends that we ninety nine percent sure he's at least performed it, but did he actually write it? I'm sure Al's tired of answering the question. <laughs> I will not be asking, but it's just one of those weird things that you'll read out there on the, on the internet that the front man of ministry, one, once upon a time when he was trying to pay the bills. Hey, you know. Um, in the early days when he was, you know, when, when ministry was fronting a bunch of other bands on tour, making probably the bare minimum to survive, Shasta was helping paying the bills. So I bet he knew how to make uh, the sangria. <laughs> Tastes like something. Yeah. Speaking of tastes, it wouldn't be the 80s without this jingle. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Almond Joy's got nuts. Mounds don't. Almond Joy's got rich milk chocolate. Coconut and orange nuts too. Mounds got deep dark chocolate. Chewing coconut. Ooh. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you don't. Ooh. Peter Paul, Almond Joy's got nuts. Peter Paul, Mounds don't. Because. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Oh, I have stories about this one. Uh, oh, yeah? I mean, I like the jingle, but uh, you know, never shall either of these candy bars pass my lips. They're awful. They're, they're coconut. They're horrible. I'm, I'm not a coconut guy. Sorry. No, I, I, don't, I don't like coconut. Fake coconut is, is one of uh, the true abominations Wait, of, of... Are you accusing the Peter Paul Candy Manufacturing Company of selling fake coconut? You don't think it's even real coconut? That's breaking news right there. It's awful. I don't like, do you like coconut shrimp? I hate that too. Nope, I'm not a coconut guy. Yeah. Coconut yeah. milk in a Thai curry, I can take that. But yes. Coconut that's about itself, it. it's like you're eating wood shavings. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because yeah. coconut salad, fresh coconut milk, New England boiled coconut. Ooh, I hate coconut. Like, this should not be in my mouth. The Steve Spears story. This should not be in my mouth. <laughs> add that one to the list. One of these days, I swear I'm going to compile all these. I'm just going to make a book of the names of the what the book would have been named. That's it. 
Anyway, the Peter Paul Candy Manufacturing Company was founded by six Armenian immigrants in 1919. Hmm. And they would soon acquire the Mounds candy bar line, which became a hit with the U.S. military during World War II because it was part of their rations. Really? Wow. Yeah. Huh. So. Okay. They went to war for fake coconut. I, you know, a little respect due to you, Peter Paul Candy Manufacturing Company. It was during the 70s, I, I believe, that the jingle, sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. And I got to admit, it works. You know which ones have nuts and which ones you don't, only because you can sing this song in your head. Almond Joy's got nuts, Mounds don't. Although, if you were having trouble figuring that out and you had one of each in front of you, maybe the one called Almond Joy has nuts in it. I don't know. You got a 50 But then what are the mounds? <laughs> what are mounds? They're just... mounds of desecrated and desiccated yeah. coconut. Yeah. Well, it was written by uh, Leo Carday and Leon Carr and sung by Joey Levine. It was first aired in January 1977. I once, I once had this plan that I was going to adopt two Labradors. Okay. I, I like where this is going. A boy and a girl. I was going to name them Almond Joy and Mounds. Hmm. And how would you tell them apart, Brad? Well, the males got nuts. Mounds don't. <laughs> so that was... Uh, yes, I should, have, I should have played more closely to the jingle there. I apologize. Yeah. Hand to God, that was one of my plans... Um, I mean, right after college, you could, you could do it with M and M's too, plain and peanut. Oh, I didn't think about that. You've caused me to completely rethink my dog uh, adoption theories. Well, so that's what I'm here for. Now we cast out and throw aspersions. So I, I love that candy bar commercials were really memorable in the '80s, and I think it, for the most part, except for with these two, it worked. So, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think, are there other candy bar commercials where they basically promoted two products at the same time? Maybe M&M's did? Well, Twix is so well, but fond of doing Twix it now. Twix is two of the same thing, though, right? Just, I know, but they keep trying to say there's a difference between left Twix and right Twix. Oh, that's just shenanigans. Come on. <laughs> no, I believe it. <laughs> we'll do a blind test on the next cruise. I don't know. We'll do it yeah. when you're in town. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what did I just meantime, say? <laughs> When you're in town. <laughs> Next time you're in, you and I are in the same geographic location, which has happened once in the last you know, 14 years. Yeah, but it's about to happen again. I know. It's going to be in, good. In two weeks, Maybe Maybe we'll ration the alcohol a little more carefully next time. Maybe. Maybe not. Or we'll eat. Maybe we'll eat before we drink. Oh, interesting. That's a good plan. Speaking of eating, shall we move on to this next one? Yeah. Play it, Brad. When the clock strikes half past six, baby. Time to head for golden lights. It's a good time for a great taste dinner at McDonald's. It's Mac tonight. Come on, make it Mac tonight. That's McDonald's and Mac tonight. I didn't realize this until we started doing the the notes for this. This was originally created for just the California McDonald's franchises by a LA advertising firm. They were, makes sense, they were looking to increase the dinner crowd, the after 4 p.m. dinner business, and so they took the song Mac the Knife, made famous by Bobby Darren in the late 50s, and reworded it a little bit. Still sounds pretty much the same. 
They decided not to feature a real person or celebrity, and they settled on an anthropomorphic moon man. No, there's no truth to the rumor that it was based on Jay Leno. Uh, with a man's body, a moon head, and 50-style sunglasses. I remember it. I mean, it's one of those... I, did I know the original song before I heard this commercial? I, I, I can't say. Yeah, you probably had heard it without really thinking about it in the background of something else. or but Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird that they would have to uh, promote McDonald's as a dinner option. I, mean, I, I guess I guess it worked though. I, from what I understand, their their sales did actually go up, and then they 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 rolled that campaign out across the whole U.S. Yeah, that's right. In the late '80s, Bobby Darin's son claimed that the song infringed on his father's trademark without permission, and so he filed a lawsuit. Dot dot dot. McDonald's stopped airing the commercials, so that commercial campaign ran for about four years. I would have thought by then it would have been public domain or... Yeah, I, I don't know. It was a... <laughs> I'm not an entertainment I'm, I'm lawyer. not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. I, I know a couple lawyers, but they're like, constru- they're like construction this. law, so this is not going to be their area of expertise. Let me ask you this. I, I know that from previous podcasts, or, or maybe it's just conversations you and I have had offline, you don't really drink soda anymore, period, right? Like you, you may have a couple a year when you have like a ginger and, and bourbon, Yeah, right? that's about the limit of my soda intake. What about your McDonald's intake? You know, since I worked at McDonald's low these many years ago, that would have been summer of 84. Right. I can't eat that stuff anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I think to... I've had the French fries maybe two or three times since then, and uh, just, they make me feel gross afterwards. I'm sorry, McDonald's. It's not you. It's me. I worked there, too, and it was 84. I think it was the spring oh my gosh. of 84. We were McDonald's brothers. Yeah, and the, with the polyester outfits mm-hmm. and the little that hat. Smelled forever of grease. Duh. You, there's just no getting it off. Yeah, you, I mean, you might as well just... I, I assume some point in time they just take them outside and burn I them. just assumed that one day walking home I would spontaneously combust from all the grease in it and the heat yeah. of the Oklahoma summer. The thing that haunts me, and I, I don't know if I've talked about this before, was I I worked at a McDonald's in a mall. Thankfully, we weren't open late. Ah, okay. We closed when the mall closed, so we closed at 9. And so worst case scenario, you'd be there till 10 cleaning. I was there one time and someone came in and was being all flirty with me. I got her number and I took her on a date and we went to see Ghostbusters. It didn't go well for a couple of. Is this the Have a Nice Life girl? Yes, this is one of two of them. You have two Have a Nice Life girls. Yeah, got somebody else's share. (laughs) Two things that went wrong. One is I guess I had a little bit of a uh, adult language. You're a potty mouth. I don't even want to say that. It just sounds so silly. But I guess I said one or two things that she thought were just. Which you know me, I don't curse that much, but I guess maybe I do. It's done for emphasis. Maybe, you know, when you're nervous, you do different things. That's you know, probably what it was. The, the words come out different. And then second, she says, I liked the way you looked in your McDonald's outfit better. Oh, you dodged, that's a, just you dodged a bullet there, my friend. <laughs> it's like, you think I'm dressing up like, like that for the rest of our dates? you got to be kidding me. Put, a, put on your polyester, Steve, and come see me. Yeah, you smell like you smell like chicken McNuggets. I love it. Okay, we're getting into a weird place. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, anyway, to make a long story short, I probably still eat there every other month. Yeah, but okay. Having worked there, I know what to order and what not to order. Filet of fish, yes. McRib, no. Mm, yeah. There you go. 
Govern yourself accordingly. <laughs> okay. We're coming in for a hard landing here. Mac tonight obviously used a song from the late 50s to great effect. So did this commercial, pulling a song that you heard at the very beginning of the show for great effect. Here we go. smoother, longer than shaving. Cotton rubbed on both legs proves it. The Nair leg is smoother. Nair with baby oil, Nair with aloe vera, and new Nair roll-on for bikini area and underarms. Ah, Nair. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I really understood the product as a kid, but I sure remember the ads. Yeah. It's based on a song from the Royal Teens Ooh. from 1958, Short Shorts. Again, I'm almost certainly never heard this song before I saw the commercial. Yeah. Well, that um, was back when the catalog wasn't so accessible, so you could mine it like that. And people were like, oh, you wrote a song for a hair removal product. That's so cool. I remember the big threat in college. That I don't think it was ever realized, but like if you were being a dick to your roommate or something like that, he would always threaten to put Nair in your shampoo. Hmm. Would that work? I don't know. But it was it was one of those listeners. It, if someone's ever done that to you and it worked, we need to know. Yeah, it's it's similar to the threat that like your dad makes with the swimming pool. Don't pee in the pool because I put a special chemical in it, and all the water will turn purple if you do. That that's what my dad used so to tell. That me. would be awesome if you could invent such a chemical. Dads around the world would beat a path to your door. Yeah, but I think it was the threat that it might be true. Right, like hmm, so it's the, the threat the threat of Nair. The threat of the dreaded purple water. It's like <laughs> so, nuclear deterrent. Yeah. Anyway, um, did you know that Nair dates all the way back to the 40s? Does it really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This ad came around in 1975. It lasted through the 80s, and it, it did go on to win a Clio Award, which is the, the Oscar Award for advertising. Nice. <laughs> it was created by uh, Marcella Jones Free. She was one of the biggest copywriters of her day. She and her husband are responsible for jingles for Nescafe, uh, Coke, Purina, Pfizer, Gillette. The list goes on and on. But this is one of the big ones. And it's, you know, it worked. And <laughs> like, you remember it. If you were watching TV in that era, you remember it. Yeah. Do people still use it? I, I don't know. I, you know, if it if it works that well, I put it on my face and not have to shave every day. That'd be great. I think it. I think it hurts a lot. I think it burns. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not. If, I, if I've read correctly, because I'm a complete sissy. That's not happening. I remember at one point thinking. I th- I think my cousin once said that she put it all over her husband's back. <laughs> <laughs> I shaved her back, and it hurt so bad that he they never did that again. And now she shaves his back. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Well, beauty costs. Since you're going to meet them in November, I'm not even going to tell you which which one it was. Thank you. I appreciate that. But just just look at all the husbands and you decide which one. Which one is wearing a sweater even when they're naked? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I like to wear when I'm naked? (laughs) The The Seggies. Hey, we have a new theme song. How's that for Ooh, change? I like it. If you recall, the last time we did this, Seggy, was for our change-up show, 
which was the last time Brad and I were hanging out with each other in New York. Yeah. We might have been a little uh, a little tipsy, maybe. Maybe that came through in the show. I don't know. I'm, I'm told I swear a lot when I'm drunk. You swear a lot when you're drunk. F*** you, Spears. <laughs> <laughs> just, it is. Just, it's good to have a tell, though. That way you know. I guess that's true. Like, oh, cut Brad off. Yeah. Brad, would so, you like some seltzer? <laughs> F*** you. you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so we did that show, if you recall. We were talking about hit songs from 1982. Two, I think it was. And we said, you know, we're going to give you different hits. And then we thought, well, why not change up the name of the Seggy, too? So from now on, I want my mystery TV theme song will be known now as TV Party Tonight. So. TV Party Tonight. I love it. For those not really into early uh, 80s punk rock, this was a song by Black Flag off their 1981 album, Damaged. It was also on a a 1982 EP. I think they ended up recording it three times over the years. And if you still don't really know the song, Google it and read the lyrics. It's Google it, Steve. (laughs) Google it, Steve. It name checks a lot of the classic TV shows of the time, including Jefferson's, SNL, even Vegas, which I I don't think I ever watched. I feel like it was re-recorded not that long ago. Or maybe someone did a cover of it with new TV show names in it that's shocking yeah you might also have heard this on the repo man soundtrack which is like a primer for us suburban dirtbags who are scared of the guys at the punk rock concerts i've never been to one yeah it's a great soundtrack it's got uh, such choice hits as fears let's have a war and circle jerks when the shit hits the fan yeah it's good so good i think we did a whole episode on it once a long time ago. Episode 94, July 2007. Very, very, very long time ago. Anyway, speaking of a long time ago, back when we did the Change Up show, this was the mystery song. That's the theme song to Taxi. Really? We didn't surprise too many people with this. I think maybe we would have surprised the people who are a little younger than us because they wouldn't have been around to watch this show on TV. It or the people who from, grew up on the moon. <laughs> it, it lasted five seasons uh, from uh, 78 to 83. And here's what caught me off guard. I know the song, but I didn't know the story behind it. And, and then when people started writing in, they said, oh, the song actually has a name. The song's name is Angela. Yeah, our listeners are geniuses. <clears throat> I mean, they have terrible taste in podcasts, but I can't believe the number of people who are like, oh, that's Angela, which was yeah. also the theme to text. That has a so, name? So I, I did some casual research, which is kind of like the motto of the show. <laughs> 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 and it's from musician Bob James. The song was actually named after a guest character in the third episode of the first season. Really? That's amazing. But after hearing the song, the producers made the decision that this song fit the theme of the show better than their original choice. The The original choice, which was also by Bob James, was called Touchdown, and it sounds a little bit like this. 
same but different. A little yeah. bit more. I mean, at this point, it's hard to pull Angela out of its theme slot. You know, that's so entrenched. When you hear that music, you picture that shot of the cab going across the bridge. Sure, exactly. The challenge was not a challenge to most of you. We did, though, ask that if you submit an answer, you give us a new nickname, a change-up, if you will. I'm actually using my hands as I explain this. Are you I don't, gesticulating I don't madly? Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's completely pointless. So, so you did. For the most part, you did. Not everybody did, but most people did. And Brad is very, very sad and happy that he's oh going to spend gosh. the next... 30 minutes of his life reading names. Steve's going to go roast a turkey that he just finished thawing. It'll be done before I get done reading this list of names. Are you ready, Steve? Yeah. If you need to take an intermission you know, uh, in the middle yeah. to go use the facilities, feel free. Here we go. This week's winners include Beverly Hills Chops Johnson, Jason, my lord, the lawn has gotten long while I was away, Liquid Braino, Alan, no nickname, Titus, Blasphemous Dave, Gamecock Mitch, Lido Austrian Trades, The Cincinnati Kid, Ms. Spongy Monkey, Sweet Caroline with a K, Jamie Star, Jamie Star, 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 Star. Bluefest, <laughs> Douchebag Dave, Old Fitzhugh, Nick Nicholson, Bird 66, Brian McGaw, Tomb from the UK, Nolag O, maybe, I don't know, we got some foreign language stuff here and I'm going to butcher it because I'm an American and I barely speak English, Tom Mace in Osterreich, I'm assuming that's translated corn in Austria, but we'll let it pass this one time, Tom. Michelle from Oregon, the town, not the state, with whom I had a short email exchange about whether that was a flute or a recorder in the song, Angela. I stand by my statement that it is a recorder. Cream corn in Columbus, La Luna. Kim from Gladwin, Michigan. Kevin, you can dodge a wench. Not just another Michael Hayes. Still totally wicked in Boston. Brent Dorsman. And we're back. El Steve Arino from a city 26 miles south of Santa Barbara. Johnny Fever Demacus. Mike, you can roll a rolla. Jeremy, who shot J.R. Radwin. Donnie, 3.2 Gettle. Yachty Todd, the great white buffalo trace. Tony Great, Mark, formerly Bass Note, now font of worthless knowledge, Canali. Jack and Diane in Richlands, Virginia. Captain Midnight from Columbus, Ohio. The Real Indiana Jones, Captain Curmudgeon, Eduardo Madib, Friendly Kirk, Chris, Not Punk, New Wave, Samson. It's a totally different head. Totally. Big Bad John, Ann Quincy, Debbie the SoCal Girl Who Loves the Psych Furs, Brian in the 80s, Roxy Tim, Auburn in Tennessee, and Billy from Universal City in West Philly. Now, I will add, we also had some non-compliant winners. Eric Miller, Dave Parrott, Carol She's a Beauty Jansen, Alan B., Brian in North Carolina, John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, Lou, Sweet Lou Greeley, Rush Cress, and Carlos M. Hernandez in St. Louis, Missouri. But I want to give a big shout-out to everyone else listening who knew the answer but didn't email in because you thought to yourself, Brad is going to collapse under the weight of an 80s phone book he's going to have to read if everyone sends in the answer. You people are the real MVP. <laughs> okay, Brad. We have written down all these names. <sighs> oh, my gosh. The wheel is the size of my apartment. Yeah. And you will now, because you're much more fit than I am. I've been hitting the gym. You have been. And uh, you're going to grab it now, and you're going to spin it. And when someone's, someone is going to come home with a glorious 
postal friendly bottle opener. It's not a matter of where it grips it. It's a simple matter of spin ratios. That thing's heavy. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> anyway, it looks like it's going to land on La Luna. La Luna is the winner. La Luna, send us your postal address so we can send you the postal friendly, friendly bottle, opener. bottle opener. It'll, it might be a while till Brad gets back into uh, the friendly confines of the Western time zone before that actually happens. So we'll see. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sits.com and tune in in a few weeks to find out if you are a winner. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Hey, it's time for Please, Please Tell Me Now, where uh, people can write in and submit any sort of question. Brad and I will answer it, assuming he still has any oxygen in his lungs left. Well, I, I had a little lie down there in between seggies, and I'm feeling better now. Thank you. Yeah. I feel I feel weird today. Like it hasn't rained. It rained like solid for like the last three weeks, and then the last two days have been dry. And I think my body's huh. not used to the dryness. I'm gonna have to slather God, some I sort of moisturizer. Dryness. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, dude. I'm New just, York in the summer. I know. Brutal. I know. Look, I, you know, all I do is complain about the weather around here, but I'm not used to the humidity. It's rather startling to show up to work and be like okay i need to go and wring my shirt out now from the walk to the office can you just like carry your suit with you and then just change when you get there that's what i'm going to start doing it's just it's brutal anyway this is fascinating sorry (laughs) okay i just well it's more relative than than most things we talk about on this show this week we got a letter from new wave todd brad why don't you take care of it yeah here we go New Wave Todd writes, Hey guys, as I sit here working on July 13th, I can't help but break out my Live Aid set and listen as I pour through spreadsheets. What can I say? The life of a bean counter. As the music plays on, I remember that day vividly. Unfortunately, I had to work from 12.30 to 9.30 p.m. at Kmart that Saturday, but I had left strict instructions for my parents and younger sister to put a new VHS tape in the VCR when they saw that it was no longer recording and to hit record. I have to say, they did a pretty decent job of it. I didn't miss any of my favorite acts. Anyway, PPTMN, when July 13 comes up on the calendar, do you still reflect on what is, to me, the defining day for 80s music as far as being in the spotlight? Or am I just on an island when it comes to the significance of Live Aid? Forever 80s, New Wave Todd. Wow. What do you think, Steve? He's not on an island. To me, July 13th is like... Christmas, New Year's, uh, St. Patrick's Day, and Easter roll into one as far as an 80s holiday goes. Why do you hate Thanksgiving? (laughs) Uh, I'm not a fan of tryptophan. Mm. I I would agree. I mean, I I think I've said this on the show that July 13th, 1985 is the high watermark of 80s pop culture. Yeah. When the day came around this year, I remember putting something up on Twitter mm-hmm. saying, and it was just a photo of you know the stage in Wembley. Because I, when I think of Live Aid, I, I think more of Wembley than I do of JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. But I, I said, say what you want about our generation. We had Live Aid, you know. Yeah. 
it, it is it it is the Woodstock of the eighties. Proof that you can see a wrong and try to make it right. Yeah. What what I have said many times, especially to my kids, look, this was when we believed we could change the world by going to a concert. Yeah. And I say that with all the love in my heart. We really did. But I will say, Todd, on July 13th, every year, this year I didn't because I'm not at home, but every year I pull out the DVDs and I put it on. And at some point during the set, I will cry. It is an absolutely emotional memory for me. And to see those things unfold again, it hits me. It It is an important event in our decade. And anybody who disagrees with me, I'm not sure why you're still listening to this show. I like to every the thirteenth. I like to I like to watch the Queen set. I like to watch YouTube perform bad. Yeah, I like to watch Midjour and Ultravox sing. I'll do this thing where I like keep track of okay, how many Telecasters versus Stratocasters, and you know, I, I like yeah. different things every year. But yeah, I have to watch it. And and my kids are just like, oh, are we really watching this again? I'm like, it's been a year. A little respect, okay. <laughs> Well, we're at that odd anniversary. This was a 36th anniversary, so maybe when it turns 40, we'll do something again. We did a podcast, I believe, when it hit its 25th anniversary. Episode 205, July 2010. And it's a really good one. Go back and look for it. Not, I think I wrote uh, in. I think you guys read a letter from me on that show. Oh, great. Yeah. I, what I didn't realize, like we all, the focus was always on London and, and Philadelphia and you know, Band-Aid, but... Does anyone remember there was actually a Norwegian band-aid and they had a song called All of Us? Here's what it sounded like. recollection i was today years old when i heard this song for the first time (laughs) i don't somebody left a comment on one of my posts and that's the only reason i know about it this video is a trip you need to check it out i checked the stats this morning it looks like we've had about 500 downloads in norway this year which is more than you would get by accident if someone was looking for a lefsa recipe or maybe how to make pickled herring Uh, so norwegian listeners if you're out there can you explain this song to us a little bit i I don't know who the people are. There's a piano on the beach. There's a dude in a bucket hat. There's a couple little kids that look like they're completely bored out of their mind to the whole thing. I'm puzzled. Yeah, context, I would, I would love. Can we get some context? That'd be great. Anyway, if you've got a letter for us, anything, email us at podcast.sats.com. Don't forget to put PPTMN in the subject line. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Ryan Adams, Boomtown Rats, David Bowie. On July 13th, a billion people all over the planet will tune in to a music event that will never be repeated. The Live Aid Concert. Elton John. 17 hours of performers donating their time and energy to help raise funds for African famine relief. Allison Moya. From Wembley Stadium in London. The Pretenders. From JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Queen. 
MTV will be at both shows and will bring you all the music live as it happens. This is what they mean by once in a lifetime. The Live Aid Concert, July 13th on MTV. Hey, we're back. We got a few minutes left. Just wanted to say special thanks to our new patrons. There's three of you this week. Aaron Lopez, Kim Thornton, and Jonathan Thompson. We hope that you all will join us on our next Zoom happy hour. We have one scheduled for tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. I guess I better stock up on ice. (laughs) I'm not going to drink during this one. Oh, I will. I'll have a mocktail. Hmm. Which also sounds like it could be a Klingon word. Mm, Captain Kirk mocktail. So I will not submit to your mocktail. <laughs> what was the other weird word I came up with earlier that sounded like a uh, a snot spigot? Yes, uh, we're nothing if not classy and yeah. sophisticated around here. You, stuck in the eighties, right? If you if you could only have watched us in the build up to this recording, yeah, Aaron, Kim, Jonathan, it does get better. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. Yes. We'll try to try to live up to your lofty expectations. Yeah. I hope we planted some good ear jingles into your heads. We will continue the series. By all means, continue to send us your suggestions. Three of them made it into this week's show. But in the meantime, until Brad and I are hanging out again at Sarge's Deli, trying to eat off a corned beef coma, we remain here separately, but hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. God bless you, Oingo Boingo. Is that Oingo Boingo? Shit, I don't know.